Welcome to CMMS Radio, a podcast and general resource for all things CMMS, computerized maintenance management software, from selection to implementation to help you make better choices and have a successful CMMS journey. We'll bring in experts along the way to help us learn more about CMMS, facilities operations, and much more. If you need help with the CMMS project, send a message at cmmsradio.com using the What's On Your Mind link. Suggest a topic, share your CMMS story, or ask questions. This episode is sponsored by Upkeep, purpose-built for maintenance, reliability, and operations teams. Our mobile-first CMMS and asset operations management solution puts work orders, inventory, and asset info in the palm of your hand. Designed for ease of use and adoption, Upkeep aligns your team for peak business performance. Transform your operations. Transform your success with the multi-platform solution of Upkeep. Visit upkeep.com slash cmmsradio to receive a dedicated custom discovery session. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. Today, we've got a great guest. In fact, he's been influential in my podcasting journey. He just didn't know that. I told him just now. He is the host of the In the Club podcast. He's the executive director of brand at Club Colors. It's John Morris. And I learned about Club Colors because of John's work on the podcast and his posts on LinkedIn over the last couple of years. And not only did I notice the messaging, but I also recognized his passion for people and for brands. And we got to talking about how they run their operations from a production standpoint, which fits well into CMMS radio maintenance management. And I love chopping it up with people that are just real and they, they care about what they're doing and who they're helping. So um, John and I uh, connected Last year, they helped me out when I was kind of jammed up on getting some apparel for Reliable Plant out in Orlando. So I got the badass shirt, got Let's the, go. nice, the, nice, uh, <laughs> the nice ball caps, and they did it on short notice. So I do recommend them in that regard. But what this is really about is a couple of guys chopping it up about a lot of things relative to maintenance, excellence, leadership, whatever comes up, we'll see what happens. John, welcome to CMMS Radio. Greg, first off, I love the fact that I learned that your nickname is Gregzilla. I mean, that is absolutely amazing. And by the way, the, the voice that you have would indicate that that's a proper name. That being said, um, you are by far one of the kindest, um, most authentic and genuine people that I've had the pleasure of interacting with through the benefits of LinkedIn. And I believe the benefits of LinkedIn are far more than self-promotion. I believe the benefits of LinkedIn is it's virtual networking. And in virtual networking, if you were to think that you were going to go to a networking event, which I know you go and perform at these and help to boost brand awareness for some of the organizations you work with, but you make friends in doing that. And one of the most persuasive things in the world is likability. You have such a likability, which makes you an amazing persuader and an amazing host of a show to promote yourself and other people's brands. So I am honored to be here today. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome, and I I, I can't thank you enough for those kind words. And you know, we're we're just out here trying to help people, and for me, it's helping people kind of get a grasp on what they're doing on their maintenance management journey. And CMMS is computerized maintenance management software, but what's really happening, you can kind of take the software and push it to the side, take the C and the S out of there. Maintenance management touches so many areas of operational excellence 
within any type of organization. Seriously. I mean, if it's a janitorial company, they're really focused in on their production rates. That's, that's, that's one of those impacts in your environment. The number of people that you guys help to really get their brand out there, whether it's through the great apparel or the digital products you help them create and promote, that has to do with production as well. So it's not just the things that you make and produce, but you do other things that are really in that space. So what I was wondering about is how maintenance or maintenance and reliability has impacted Club Colors when when it comes to this production of these great products for well it's had a huge impact obviously there's a couple ways to craft value within your organization Um, clearly if you can drive revenue and hold your cost of business to maximize profitability um, that's going to have a tremendous impact on the total value of your organization so when we looked at the idea of really mapping out our uh our production facility. We just moved into a new facility six months ago. We're very proud of that. 26,000 square feet of office space, but 28,000 square feet of production space. And this allows us to grow and scale at a rapid pace because we need to bring in more equipment and we need to be able to um, adhere to the demands of our current clients as we scale and bring in new clients. So you talked about something really key. Operational excellence has been something that our co-CEOs have really adopted as um, a mindset and a, a value that we have as an organization. And the way that it's helped us to drive value to the company is by maximizing profitability. And the way that we've maximized profitability is not by increasing prices on clients. It's by minimizing air rate and being ultra efficient in the speed at which we can turn uh, production. So air rate, our industry, the promotional product and branded apparel decoration and distribution uh, industry has about a 3% air rate. Um, There were measures put in place about five years ago across all divisions, but a lot in production that has us at less than a 1% error rate. So think of it this way. If you can minimize your error rate by 2.4%, that means that you're not having to reorder that apparel, redecorate it, and then reship it. So that in itself has a contribution to total profitability of another 1% to 1.5% of profitability. On a $30 million company, that's fairly impactful, right? So when you talk about operational excellence, it benefits the front end of the organization, the sales team being able to say, hey, look, because we manage the operation of our business so effectively, we do not make mistakes. You have security in knowing it's going to get done the right way on time. So our promise is right solution, right place, right time. Yeah. And the next phase of that in the expansion was speed. The faster you could turn something, the more attractive you become as an organization to the end user. Mm-hmm. We make decisions fast. We're the now, 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 now generation. We see it on phone. We click button. We make decision. We expect it in a day or two, like the Amazon experience. You know, I ordered a book before I could hit enter 
the guy was ringing my doorbell, putting the book on my doorstep. It's that fast now. Well, because people have become uh, prone to that feeling, they want that in everything they do, not only their personal life, but their business as well. So being able to turn things fast is important. And that comes down to production layout, where the equipment is, how far do people have to walk to go get thread, to put thread on machine, to start machine, to then take hat or sweatshirt or uh, t-shirt off of machine and get it boxed and sent out. The faster we can do that, the, the stronger likelihood that we can turn it faster for our clients and therefore create a better overall experience, a more inspiring experience. So, you know, operations is key to minimizing error rate and the efficiency at which we can deliver product. It's been critical for us. Absolutely. And it's quality product. And I think that's another thing that a lot of, there's this kind of theory across all of industries. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't care what it is, but you know, in what I do and a lot of the experts that I have on and the people I talk to in my network or at these conferences, a lot of things you end up in this race to the bottom. And that's a huge mistake for everyone. And the only person that really suffers in the end is the customer. Yes. So I think it's important to kind of call that out that your products are of the highest quality, yet you've increased and improved efficiency through appropriate planning on the, I'm going to say plant floor, production floor. And one of the things I wanted to kind of get to, uh, there's two. One is when it comes to the ongoing maintenance of said equipment machines, you have a program in place internally and probably with some external support vendors that actually make sure those machines are failing less so that you have higher uptime, which further increases your production rate. Well, I'll just talk to you a little bit about um, our screen print process, right? So we've got three uh, machines we call the beasts. Um, they're 10 head uh, M&R machines. Luckily, M&R service, their machines are amazing, but their service is also amazing. We can't have a machine down um, because at, we're an event-driven industry. So somebody has a trade show, they say, hey, look, in order to get more people to come to our booth, we're going to have to not only market, um, pre-market through digital content and so on, but then once they're in the booth, we got to keep them in the booth. And then we've got to make sure that when they leave the booth, they have a lasting impression so that we can turn that into a conversation that potentially turns into business. That's the point of why people go to trade shows. So for us, it's an event-driven time frame. It has to be at the right place at the right time. And if our machines are down, that completely throws everything off. So yes, you're absolutely right. We are very thankful that we work with M&R and they have unbelievable service and they have rapid response to come out. God forbid the machine was down. They're there. It's almost like the Amazon experience. They're sitting on the doorstep ready to, to get that fixed and get us back up and running. Yeah. And, you know, having partnerships like that allows you to have a stronger brand promise and a stronger deliverable because mm -hmm. one of our core values is got your back. And when we say got your back, we don't mean just internally here within the organization. We mean our partners have to have our back and we will treat them not like vendors. We'll treat them like family. We got their back too, right? Mm -hmm. So we understand we don't nickel and dime people. We want premium because we offer premium. 
And then on the other hand, for our clients, it's the same thing. We got to get our clients back. And when we do that, then our clients have flexibility, therefore getting our back. So it all works uh, congruently. It's all important. It's the circle of business, right? The circle of life. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. So I can understand. I can imagine in your field, and I know we come from kind of different planets as it relates to podcast topics, but there's so many similarities because at the end of the day, it's branding. Yeah. And everything is branding. It's about the 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 way that your brand translates to the marketplace, to your employees, your suppliers and vendors has a huge impact on the overall success of the organization. So in your field, how strong the machinery is, how quick it can be serviced, um, the operational excellence that people are, are utilizing to to grow their organization. It's everything to the total brand promise. Absolutely. And, and to piggyback on that. So when we talk about CMMS, whether we're talking about your office facilities or your production facilities, when there's a light bulb out and there's a problem with the air conditioning or this, you know, any of these things that can happen, they can go wrong or they can go right. You're typically going to have some kind of a system where you can submit a work order and then somebody else is building out preventive maintenance items and all these great things that keep those machines and the facilities themselves, the entire building envelope in tip top shape. So you can continue to deliver that excellence. And what's interesting about what you just said, how, We're podcasting about different things, but there's an overarching kind of theme to how people are trying to move through the world where they're putting people over profits, but they're pricing themselves right so they can deliver excellence. It happens at the various CMMS vendors as well, where internally they have their operational approach to the development and maintenance of the software itself. And what really happens aside from the software and the way it works is the people that support the people that use it to drive their own business. And it's the exact same thing. It's not cookie cutter. It's always unique, but the pursuit of those, making those basic fundamentals, that idea of operational excellence, that's money in the bank. But the problem is it sounds easy. It's actually really hard. People have to be all about it. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and this kind of fits into brand kind of well, I think, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong or kind of medium, (laughs) this, this idea about why. If people understand the why of what you're doing, why you're doing, who you're doing it for, when you get that and you get all the basic kind of foundational, fundamental things in place, things can really move well. And I relate all of that to the relentless pursuit of the elusive win-win. Yes. So um, have you heard of Simon Sinek? Yes. Okay. As so, in everybody. You know, start with why, right? Start with why. Yeah. And I, I got to tell you, I wish more people knew because the, the fact is that there are a lot of brands that do, in fact, start with the what and the how. Um, and we certainly here live out the why. We have a saying here, purpose over product. And for us, it's really important. And maybe you could say purpose beyond product. We feel like you know, promotional products of brand apparel is awesome. And, and I, in no way, shape, or form do I want to say that the beautiful, amazing products that our suppliers manufacture, invent, and, and get in our hands, are, are I don't want to slight that. But what I do want to say is that for us, it's not about the product. It's about the end user experience. We know the product is the vehicle to influence that experience, that reaction. But really what we're searching for is the ultimate inspiring brand experience. We want to create that that moment. And in order to do that, you really have to understand your why. 
So I'll give you an example off of what you said, because I was thinking as you were saying it, mm -hmm. you know, you're talking about building maintenance, right? And, and think of that from an, uh, and machinery being, uh, working and, and all the different things that, uh, CMMS does, right? Think of how that creates a better employee experience. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when employees, when employees are down, can't operate, um, or when, like you said, the, the heat or the air conditioning or something having to do with just the maintenance in the facility is not working, that is impacting their productivity, their morale, their um, greater good, their effort, whether or not they're complaining to a manager, therefore it's affecting the manager's day. And the manager now is dealing with an employee problem and dealing with mindset instead of dealing with X's and O's and figuring out how to create a great outcome for their, for their, uh, their organization. Mm -hmm. So everything goes, comes back to the efficiencies of an operation have an impact on the way that people deliver results to the outside market. Yeah. Create a great experience for your employees. Make it smooth, make it easy, make it fun, make it efficient, make it technologically advanced, make it all of those things. And it may be intangible value that you can't put on a scoreboard and you can't track it. Sorry, CEOs, not everything is trackable, okay, on a, on a scoreboard. I wish it was. There's a lot of intangible value that what you do and what we do has an impact on and ultimately creates better outcomes and a better, better end user experience or a better employee experience. So that's the why. It's not the product just as much as for you. It's not the twisting of the this and the programming of that. It's the reaction or the ease that it creates for an employee, for the experience, for the total operation to function. And that's the why. Indeed. And the, the whole thing I keep thinking about is this idea of empowerment, right? So whoever we are, yes. wherever we are, whatever the heck we're doing, there's like when, when you take on a role and you've accepted that role and you know you can do that role, the leadership within that organization is to set things from a stewardship perspective mm -hmm. in place that allow you to be and do that. Yeah. And that's it. This concept of being the CEO of your own desk or being the CEO of your own area or whatever it is, but you're also part of a connected team. And I mean, we can go, we can go all the way back to what you were talking about, where if you have everything set up and the blocking and tackling is really happening, right? You're going to, you're going to give yourself the best chance to win and win well for everybody. Yeah. You know, it, I love that concept of uh, and we talk about that here at club colors a lot that we want everyone to have um what do they call it intrapreneur yeah uh, type of a spirit so you're within an organization um so you know you could call it an entrepreneurial spirit but we want people to treat their role as if it's their own organization i this whole thing about team success i love the idea of team success do not get me wrong but you will never find a championship team that didn't have individuals having record years mm -hmm. right like look at the nfl playoffs right now look at the quarterbacks that are left okay these are elite mm -hmm. quarterbacks right 
You have to have, and you've got people on their team. The defense had the best year ever, but two players had the most tackles um, they've ever had or Mm -hmm. broke a record for the team, whatever it might be. So team success is really predicated on a group of individuals deciding to have their maximum individual success. Yes. And that what you're talking about, what you do plays a part in that. There's nothing worse than an employee being on a roll and something breaks down on them. And now it's affecting their ability to get going because momentum in business, effectiveness in business is like pushing a boulder. When the boulder stops, it nestles in. And then you got to rock the thing back and forth to get it over the ledge to get it going again. Yeah. Momentum's interesting though, man. That boulder, that huge boulder, when it's rolling, once it's rolling, you just got to keep it rolling. And so, you know, machinery and maintenance and and uh, the things that you that you are are speaking about, just that overall operation, the functionality of the operation and the system working at an elite level, allows the employee to keep that momentum going. Yeah, and that allows for growth. And yeah. a better experience for staff. I agree. I agree. So now one of, one of my questions was going to be why operational excellence leads to building that awareness and improves talent recruitment, et cetera. And you already covered it. So I'm going to skip that question. It's in here, folks. If you want to know what that is, we just talked about it around 12 minutes it, ago. It is huge though. And I, I would, if I was a hiring manager, I would go spend a whole bunch of time with with folks in um, in those roles and talk about, you know, what are the things that maybe I'm not aware of that make your work life experience here tremendous? And because let's face it, as a hiring manager, there is a level of recruitment first. You got to sell the organization. And by the way, if it's if it just looks and feels like the other company down the street and the other company down the street, now the employee is going to just ask for more money. So it's no different in sales. If you have the same exact thing as another company and there is no differentiator, then that employee is going to go, well, I got four companies I could go to. They all do the same thing. Okay, so there's no real differentiator that's an intangible or something unique. Well, then I'm just going to ask for the most money. I just want the most money. Then it only comes down to a money decision. We see this in sales all the time where clients make decisions based on price. Because everyone's got the same thing. There's nothing that stands out. There's no intangible conversation. Right. So from what, you know, a hiring manager in your field, I would go and talk to the people in there, talk about the technology, understand the technology. And I would would say, hey, look, you know, we're competitive as as far as salary. But here's all the advantages that are created based on the technology we use, the operational excellence that we believe in, and how that allows you to roll. Right. And now all of a sudden... Um, you've got some intangible value that makes you a, a more attractive organization to bring in the best talent. Yeah. It, and it makes a difference. Look, when I talk to people and it's just, you know, we're talking offline or somebody might be looking at an opportunity or two or three, maybe it's in the space that I work in. It's at a CMMS company. Maybe it's a particular role in maintenance and reliability, chief building engineer, anything like that. They might ask me, hey, have you heard of this company? Hey, do you know anybody over here? And do you know anything about how they really operate? Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to tie this to something you said earlier, and it's this concept um, of vanity metrics that just will never 
those metrics, although they have some meaning somewhere to someone, and we get that, it's those intangibles and those things that allow someone who's evaluating an organization to go and look at, aside from the money, you got to get the money right, but they're looking for challenges. They're looking for opportunities to, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but kind of flex their skills, challenge themselves, and then grow. They're looking for all the tiebreakers. Yeah, exactly. They're looking for the tiebreakers, the gray area. Um, the, the gray area, maybe it should be called the gold area. You know, that's, uh, those, those are the things that, uh, that folks are really looking for. And I, I can only relate it to, you know, what I'm doing now. And I'm doing a lot of recruiting for our sales team. Right. And I got to tell you, like, I, I, I don't talk salary. I don't talk, uh, income and all that stuff because I don't want it to be about that. Right. So if I'm looking for top talent, I'm talking about all of the things similar to what we talked about in the beginning of the podcast. Like as a salesperson, one of the most important things is what you say you're going to deliver to the client comes true. So I always talk about our operational excellence protects your reputation. Yeah. Right. We don't make mistakes. So when you say it's going to be there on time, it's going to be the right solution, right place, and it'll be on time. You're you're ninety nine point four percent of the time, you are absolutely telling the truth, yeah. and the and the point six where we miss, we correct it immediately, on our dime. So sometimes people love you for how good you are, but really really great partners love you for how good you are when you're bad. Yeah. Now this is interesting because you're kind of I'm I'm thinking back to like when I was in the actual building maintenance space or when I was in the CMMS industry and, you know, like a co-founder bringing a product to market, working with all those same types of clients and all of this. And I've, I believe, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be right. I, I, I believe in what drives me in a lot of these situations, aside from the opportunity to make money is there's a problem that we're solving. And I believe sales is actually about delivery and that hits right where your perspective is like like when it when it comes to we take the operational excellence we take the knowledge and the confidence that we can actually deliver and now we can go do a bunch of good stuff that's all we really want to do i don't think anybody wants to lose some sleep at night because they smoked somebody on a deal and no. made three X and all that. I, I get it. Make money. It's fine. But when, when we look at sales, we look at software, we look at apparel, we look at digital products that are going to push somebody's brand, drive this awareness. We want what we want. And we expect if we're a customer to get what we paid for. Mm-hmm. And if we're delivering that, right, because I'm the sales rep, I'm the account executive or maybe I'm customer success, whatever it might be, we want the outcomes that we were telling people that we were going to give. So in sales, the most convicted person in the room tends to win, Mm. right? Um, The art of influence and persuasion is confidence. That's the first thing. You have to have likability, you have to have credibility, but you better have confidence. Mm. You have got to be able to stand behind it. Operational excellence allows the sales team to have confidence. Mm -hmm. So the better the operation is, the better the efficiency, the better in our business, the decoration technique, how quick it's shipped, that it's on time, 
It's the, at the right place. The more often and consistent that happens, the more confident the salespeople can be to stand by their words. So, yep. you know, th there's that whole saying in sales of, I like to under promise and over deliver. I'd rather accurately, accurately promise and, and have that promise be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I want it to be an accurate promise and have the deliverable be deliverable be on promise. Right. And mm -hmm. it nails it because now all of a sudden I start to establish a level of credibility where the partner goes, hey, this is the outcome I desire. Go figure it out for me instead of what are you going to do about this? And can you do this? And is can you come down on price? Buyers only look at price, right? Unless there's real tight budget stuff, but they only look at price if that is the only reason they have to trust you or the only reason to use you or the only differentiator, right? Mm -hmm. We want to get them away from that. We want to get them onto all the value, all the benefit. And that goes back to what you talked about. What's the why? The why has to be a greater purpose that you have as an organization, but the why also has to be the, the, the want behind the want behind the want, which is typically an emotional driver. Like I need this because this makes a great experience for my employees and the better experience for my employees, the harder they work, the longer they stay and uh, the more um, engaged in the total brand experience they are. They become brand champions. So mm -hmm. it's a, it, again, it all goes back. I don't know the first thing about maintenance and, and specifically what it is that you do, right? I understand business. I know you understand business. And at the end of the day, business really is about creating an experience internally and externally that becomes a magnet to build community and to become a multiplier. That's it. And that's, that's ultimately what you're trying to do. That's how you nail that why is people are so impressed, they become advocates and evangelists to tell the benefits of your software or the benefits of your your uh, maintenance deliverable, or in my case, the benefit of the, the services that we provide. Indeed, indeed. And everything's really connected when we look at these perspectives, which is why, regardless of what we're talking about, we're ultimately going to land in this kind of area. I call it a gray area where things are, you know, think of a Venn diagram, they're starting to overlap. Yeah, and like the Olympic rings. Sure, exactly. I mean, that's that's how it works. It works that way when you're learning stuff, if somebody's learning about the skilled trades, and then later on they meet somebody that's kind of on the other side of the house that's trying to empower their skilled trade to do what they do, and it just becomes this full circle thing. That's why I'm always talking about that elusive win-win because you can find it everywhere, and everyone's like, oh, that's Greg's placeholder. You're damn right it is. There you it, go. It, well, it, you got you to have a North Star. Yeah, Let me you ask got, you this, Greg. I'm curious. Yeah. Go ahead. What fires you up about CMMS? What fires you up? Like what, in your opinion, is the why? What is the thing that you you really stand on, um, the value that is brought? I'd love to know from your standpoint to see how connected we are in the way that we think about business. So for me, when it comes to CMMS, my story originated in kind of some of the skilled trades, being in the building maintenance industry and doing that work that everybody does. And we said, how the hell are we going to differentiate? We're maintaining buildings. We're doing janitorial. We're yeah. doing this. We're aligning vendors and all that kind of stuff. 
anybody can do that. We said, yeah, they can, but can they actually do it? Meaning, can they follow through, follow up, and deliver? And it's the only way to differentiate. You cannot differentiate in an industry like that on price. Otherwise, you will get killed and your customers will be incredibly unhappy. Yes, exactly. So when it comes to CMMS and the computerized maintenance management software space, what matters to me, wherever I work, whatever I do, I have to care. I have to actually care. Like if I don't, then it's just a money grab. And if we're going to do that, we can go to the card room or the pool room. All right. Leave, leave that out. When we're talking about doing business, I am passionate about delivering the results and getting the outcomes that people want. And it all starts with connection. It's and, and then from there, you get to understand what somebody's after, what they want, not from a greed perspective, but what they want as an outcome for themselves, their organizations, their teams, their shareholders, their clients. So when you help your client, you're helping your client deliver for their client and on and on like this. That's... And I believe in that stuff. So there you go. when, if I'm in a situation where I delivered a solution for somebody and then they come back to me and they're having a problem, I want to hear about the problem and I want to understand it. And I want to try to solve it. Now, if I can't, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. And if it's a, a problem that was not really on us, I still want to try to find a way for them to move forward. I care about that. And I tell people all the time that if I didn't have that, I might be in a different place if you're counting and keeping score the wrong way. What matters to me is that we actually deliver on what we say we're going to deliver. That's all it is. That's my why. And I think it's sometimes a little bit too righteous. I love to get up on the soapbox and I don't care if people like it or not, because I know why I'm doing it. I know I'm trying to make a difference. And here's one other thing I'll tell you, John, the feedback I've been getting, especially in the last 12 months from people as it relates to the podcast and CMMS radio and getting people connected and talking, people are calling me and writing me and telling me who they're working with and why. And then they're telling me it's because you were talking to them on this one episode or you were at this event and they're, and, and for me, it's like, damn, that is like, what more could you ask for? Well, you're creating awareness and attention in a non-combative way or a non-negotiation um, way. So the really cool thing about podcasting um, and creating content is I, I, I work on a cadence of inspire, engage, influence. That's my cadence. What that means is, uh, and there is a mix to the cadence, 60% of what I want to put out there, I try and be inspirational. I want to move you. I want you to laugh. I want you to feel something. Uh, 20, you know, 20%, I'm trying to get you to engage, meaning I want you to, to reach out to me, but I'm not going to try and sell you. I'm just going to interact, ask how I can help you, see if we can collaborate on something, um, uh, you know, and then I'm going to follow your content and I'm going to like it. I'm going to support it. And I'm going to show you that I, I care because, you know, I, I'm genuine in that regard. And then influence, 20% influence. The influence is, look, I'm not here just, I'm not an inspirational speaker and I'm not here just to support your content. Let's be honest, I'm here to do business too. Um, so there's going to be a level of me um, discussing the benefits of our service, why we stand out, what our differentiators are and what we do. And you're seeing that through 
your delightful podcast and how it's so industry specific and it's so focused, you're becoming a voice for a lot of people that want to say what you say and maybe want to be, uh, want people to see the value of what they do. Okay. So what's cool for me is our industry has been considered trinkets and trash and shotskis for years. The throwaway, the giveaway, the swag, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of amazing people at Club Colors and at a ton of other companies in this industry. And to know that I get a chance to kind of speak uh, on behalf of the folks here at Club Colors that really believe in our why, and even people in our industry, whether it be suppliers or competitors that are like, yeah, that's cool. I get as many emails and dms from competition going hey i love that you're doing this because it lends credence to you know my role like people don't look at me as just a peddler of promotional products now they that you know I, I i love the fact that you're promoting the intangible value in the bigger picture of what it is that we do and that lights my heart up i i feel like you're saying the same thing that yes. that, that and that gives you purpose it, it it does because on my overall journey and when when I wasn't repping a product anymore, especially my product, which is like, you know, it's like my baby. It's like my nephew, right? Me and my best friend built yeah. that company up. We built the previous company up. And, you know, when it didn't work out, I mean, I was like, man, that's a bummer. But now what? How do I take all of my knowledge, experiences, and... All, all that gooey stuff, but also, you know, what could that do? What could I really do with that? And I thought I could use, I could do a podcast and just talk about all this stuff. And now I don't have to be focused on a particular CMMS platform or product. I can be all about all of them. I can be more about the process and help everybody. So there's going to be it's a about user. education too. You're educating a lot of people. Yeah. Um, there might be people who listen to your podcast and go, Oh, I'm changing the way I explain that tomorrow to this new client. Yeah. I like that better. There might be people that would be potential clients listening to your podcast going, you know, I really need to think deeper than price. I really have to think about the overall outcome that this creates. Right. So, um, you kind of become like, uh, this demand gen lead gen, uh, voice for not only your business, but also for the industry. And that, that's, that's a pretty cool spot to be in. Yeah. Um, and to get that gratification back is, is really, is really nice. Yeah. Um, but to your point, you know, I also, I get, I get uh, DMS where people are like, like you did Greg, where they're like, Hey man, I don't know where to turn. I need hats in three days. Like everyone's telling me no way. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Oh, Greg, I got you, man. You support every piece of content that i send out it helps the algorithm you're helping me attract attention to our business you're darn right i'm gonna run through a wall to get this done for you so that that back and forth that's what it's really about and that's you know that's the why part and i think a lot of businesses are focused too much on price and they're not focused enough on like the 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 total experience i look at this this way would you rather uh, pay $10 for uh, a $20 return or pay $12 
for a forty-five dollar return. Well, the latter, of course. There you go. I mean, and, and that's what it comes down to. But if you can't articulate what the forty-five dollar return looks like, there's no way you can sell it for twelve. Right. So this helps people to understand how to articulate it, and it keeps that conversation going. And um, it's it's great work you're doing. Well, I feel the same about what you're doing and what I was talking about early on about that being influential for me to say, you know, this, this is, this is the way to go. And I didn't go into it going, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to make a bunch of money. I said, I'm going to start a podcast cause I've got the time to do it. And I'm interested in the subject. I love talking to people and connecting with people, especially, you know, real recognizes real. So that's, I mean, legit. And the people I've connected with, I mean, they're monsters in their industry and they're doing great stuff for people. And I just want to chirp about that, man. I want to be an evangelist. I want to put people together. And when I hear they're doing business and people solve the problem, I mean, it's like, dude, when we're done with this today and I, and I stop recording and whatever, we might visit a little bit. I'm going to be on cloud nine for the rest of the day. No two ways about it. hundred percent. This is my favorite part of what I do. I love it. It is it never disappoints ever. I was ever, talking ever. to somebody the other day, Greg, and there's a chance you might be similar. <laughs> I was saying that I am perhaps the worst agent for myself in the history of the world. I am terrible at self-advocacy. Mm. Um, and I have to do it in some regards because I have to promote what I'm doing and I have to promote, you know, hey, pay attention. It's kind of yeah. part of my job. Yeah. But sometimes it feels icky. But, you know, sometimes it comes with a turp. <clears throat> turp. But I got to tell you, I, I might be in the wrong field. I feel like I could be an agent sometimes. And I think you're the same way. Like, I love promoting other people. And that's why when we bring people on for the podcast, it's so much about the guests. It's about their thought leadership. It's about their beliefs. It's about their why. It's about the message they want to get across to their audience. And that makes me feel really, really good because I don't know what it is. I, I like to go put other people up on a pedestal and then I'll take the secondary um, attention, right? Well, yeah, I, I, I think what it really is, though, is I think we're I think there's similarities there because it's not like even even in the businesses that I help build, I don't I, I, I had like zero interest in being the CEO. I want to be, I've told people for years, I was like, yeah, well, over here, my role, you know, forget about VP or whatever. I never took a C-suite role, didn't realize that was a mistake, mm -hmm. but whatever. I said, I'm like Maximus, like our CEO, our founder, I'm like, I'm like the right-hand man. Um, I'll dig the hole and bury the body. Not really yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's what it is. And I'm passionate about that because you don't have to be out front to lead. Yeah. It, it, no, and, and think about yeah. the military, right? You know, um, there's amazing colonels out there. Somebody's got to be, somebody's got to be chief of staff. Somebody's got to be uh, the general. Somebody's got to be, you know, all the ranks down. So yep. um, some people, some people fail, fail for years at all the roles that they're in. They're not very good at until they get to general. Mm -hmm. And because they had to suffer through all roles, they were never good at, at um you know kind of having to take command they're better at command and then there's other folks that are amazing at carrying out vision mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but 
they're not the they, they don't want to be accountable to the vision they'd rather carry someone else's vision out everyone's got to find their sweet spot oh yeah yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's really an interesting uh, journey that I think we're all on. I think, um, I think uh, I had posted about this uh, the other day, going back to what we were talking about. Um, you know, podcasts are interesting because when you host a show, if you're doing it right, the guest has a following and that following is coming to watch your guest be on a show. Be on a podcast. If you're really good at hosting, you'll pick up some of those followers. So they come for the guest. They stay or come back for the host. Right? And that's what the show is all about. So you got to promote other people, but you also have to be good enough to carry the show to get people to keep coming back. Well, and that, that you know, I think the more I think about this and when I really sit and reflect, the, the people that not only come on the show, but the ones that do follow it because they want to see who's the next expert guest, who's the next special guest, who's the next, you know, oh, Greg's going to have, like, I, I'll, I'll bring somebody on that's not in the CMMS space, mm -hmm. and I'll find a way to make it meaningful, and I love doing that. Everybody's like, what are you doing that for? And I'm like, because that's what I want to do, and yeah. it's making a difference. That's all that matters to me, really. I don't worry... I don't worry too much about like the followers and the downloads and all that. If I'm working with one of my sponsors and they're like, well, what's this, this, and this. And I, I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't do all that stuff. I don't care about those vanity metrics. I want to help one person at a time that hears a great guest and says, shit, that, that I got that problem. I'm going to call that guy. That's all I want. And I got to tell you, Greg, all knowledge is transferable, right? Oh yeah. It's up to the person who's taking in the knowledge to figure out how it impacts them personally. Yeah. We're in their role, yeah, but um, sure. you know well, we're in completely different industries, and look how many similarities there are in the way that we think. Um, well, business is business, and at the end, end of the day, every business is a people business. You could have the greatest technology, you could have the greatest operational excellence, you could have the greatest sales pitch, you could have the greatest this and that, bells and whistles and mouse traps, and you know what? At the end of the day, people buy from people first. When they buy from people and they interact with people, then they pay attention to the brand. Mm -hmm. And if the brand is consistent with the people and the people are consistent with the brand, boy, you got some magic. That's, that's, that's when that, magic happens. That's what it is. Do the work, put in the work, deliver the results. Everybody wins. It's what it's all about. I want to ask you a couple of fun questions. And cool. Then I love fun you. questions. Yeah, yeah. Fun question number one. What is your favorite music? Uh, my favorite music is 90s alternative music. That was when I was in high school from 90 to 94. Um, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Sublime. Um, boy, I mean, I could just Stone Temple Pilots. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Those are awesome. And then my next favorite would be classic rock. I have huge Doors fan. Love Janis Joplin. Love Jimi Hendrix. Love Led Zeppelin. Rolling Stones are the greatest band ever, in my opinion. Um, for me, it would be like Rolling Stones, and then I got to jump to Pearl Jam. That would be my right. two favorite. They're also my go-to if I ever get up on stage and sing. Okay, okay, cool, cool. Next, what is your, I already know the answer to this, but I'm asking you, this is for everybody else to learn about you. What is your favorite sport or hobby? And you don't necessarily on the sport have to play it. Maybe you watch it. Favorite sport and or hobby? 
Favorite sport is absolutely golf. Um, I've been playing since I was 10 years old. Actually, since I was eight, I was hitting golf balls off of our neighbor's siding. My dad had to re uh, do re-siding on our neighbor's house. He wasn't happy, but he, he did ask me how in the world at eight years old I hit it up that high. And then I showed him I could hit a ball, and then he put the club in my hands, and, and that kind of took off. Um, and now I'm, I'm actually, um, on the weekends, I try and compete as much as I can in, in local tournaments. Um, I got my handicap to a, um, a point plus two, uh, which means that I average, um, you know, anywhere from 69 to 74 as it relates to a score, depending upon how hard the course was. That's what I, where I was at last summer. That's where I ended. The goal is to get to a plus two, not a point two, but a plus two this summer and uh, win a few tournaments. Nice, nice. I'll be rooting for you even though I'm not there. <laughs> now, this one, there are no right answers on any of this stuff, but on this one, there's really no right answer. This is okay. more about your perspective on work-life balance. Yeah, I don't believe in it. I believe in work-life harmony. All right. The reason being is work-life balance would, would essentially uh, indicate that you are putting part of your time into this, but you're also going to put equal time into this, and that's just going to be the flow. And I say that's bull. Everything is fluid. There are times as a father and a, uh, as a, as a, father and a husband where my family desperately needs more of my time and attention that day or that moment. Mm -hmm. And as much as I love my career and I love my work, that's where my time has to go. There are other times in my life when everything is running at full steam and operating perfect. The kids are getting good grades, sports are flowing, my wife is happy, everything's good. And I can go, great, now I'm going to put more of my time into my work. So I feel like there needs to be a harmony where your work allows you to live your life and your life allows you to dig into your work. And I don't think that's about balance. I think that means that you're going, whoa, I'm doing too much work. Now I got to throw I don't think it's that. I think it's a flow. And um, that flow gives you peace and it gives you great vibrations and allows you to transfer energy to other people because you're not so occupied by one or the other. You're joyful in doing that thing the most at that point in time. And it could change day to day. Yeah. Yeah. It's a move. It's. It, 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 it's an aspect of movement being yeah. Yeah. things like that. That's, you know, kind of really gets lofty, but I love that. I, I love that. And the reason I said there's no wrong answers is because what matters to you is going to resonate with somebody out there and just create additional perspective for them. And, so and I got to tell you, Greg, too, like when I was 23 and had my, you know, my wife was a senior in college at the time. So I was 23 years old. I'm making a boatload of money. I got nothing else to do. I'm either going to work my tail off or I'm going to go drink and be ruthless and do stupid stuff. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I wasn't looking for work-life balance. I was looking for work, man. I want to make as much money as I possibly can. So I would say right now, especially for the younger generation, if you're Gen Z, you're 27 and under, what are you, what are you talking about work-life balance? This is your time to make as much money as you possibly can. Take as many risks as you possibly can in business. 
Try to start something up. Create multiple streams of income. Go learn how to do stuff that you never thought that you would potentially be able to learn. Take big risks because guess what? You're like, an inf- you're like a toddler. Toddlers are built low to the ground because they fall a lot and it doesn't hurt, right? Yep. You are a toddler of your career, if you will. This is the time to go after it. When you got three kids and you got to manage their life too, and you got to manage, you know, a household and you got to manage, you know, a multitude of different things coming at you, you don't have the ability to take that risk. Mm-hmm. So there is a tendency sometimes to kind of get trapped. The best part about being 28 or under is you're not trapped. Go nuts, go crazy. So that's why I say work-life balance is crazy for somebody in that age. Your your harmony should be 80% work, then figure out how to make a ton of money, then go play, sprinkle play in, and then work 80%, go nuts. I think they've been... Uh, the generation Gen Z and some of the other generations have been told about this work-life balance and they've adopted it. And I think it's a huge mistake. I think they need to go nuts and make a ton of money. Yeah. And it is certainly a bit of a misnomer depending on where you sit, what you've experienced, what you've seen, who, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, this is great stuff. This is why we do what we do because we're trying to get people talking and thinking and keep us moving through the world. That's right. And just real quick before we wrap, I'm so glad you came on with me. I'm excited about everything that you guys are doing. I was watching when you were getting the new facility going. You and I were talking a little bit. You guys helped me out. I appreciate that. Anybody out there, if you need help with your apparel, and remember, I mentioned about digital um, presence. They can help you with that, too. Get in touch with Club Colors. You can reach out to John directly. You can find him on LinkedIn. He's everywhere out there. And, you know, if anybody needs to get in touch with him, you can't figure it out or whatever, you can call me, too. But, man, this this was so awesome. And I hope we get to do it again someday, but I love what you guys do. Thank you for coming on, sharing your perspective and just keep rocking on. Greg, it's been a pleasure. I I really thank you for allowing me to speak my mind on your platform and uh, keep going. You're doing amazing things. Did you find this episode helpful? Please send us some feedback, suggest a topic or ask a question. Reach out to CMMS Radio if you need a co-pilot on your CMMS project. Visit cmmsradio.com and use the What's On Your Mind link. Thank you for tuning in to CMMS Radio, your resource for all things CMMS from selection to implementation to help you make better choices, learn from industry experts, and have a successful CMMS journey.